Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Service Legend Podcast. It's nice to be with you guys for two times this week. We had Corey Colson on earlier this week. Uh, and today we have the man, the myth, the legend. Um, I'm just going to call you Mr. Sid, you know, Mr. Sid. Mr. Sid. Now, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. As somebody referred to me at the huge convention as the elder statesman of Wendy <laughs> Clinton. I'm like, that, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice to have you here. You know, I know we met um, in, uh, for the first time at the huge convention. I got to actually meet you. Yeah. Um, you're a lot taller than I thought you'd be. No, I'm oh, just cool. kidding. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, it was nice meeting you. Um, it was pretty incredible what you and your team are able to put on. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, how'd that feel this, this show versus the last couple that you had? Okay. That, yeah, that's interesting because we, you know, we took the show on, we, we bought it from the founders at early in 21. So we're still in, in COVID times and we were uncertain if it was going to fly or not. We had to re, you know, rebuild a lot of stuff. It did. Okay. Our goal for year one was don't screw it up. And then year two was build. <laughs> In year three, we set a platform for our actual growth plan, which comes now and beyond. So this year, um, it went really well. Like we had we had almost 2,000 registered uh, ticket holders. I think it was 1,800 registered ticket holders plus our vendors. Um, but the coolest thing about it was, you know, just like growing a business. I mean, it is a business. We First year, we ran it on our own so we could understand the ins and outs and what we sucked at and what we were good at. Then we started... Um, delegating things and then we hired a team to help execute all the the silliness that we had up our sleeve because funny the the seven partners of seven of us six of us are entrepreneurial quick start kind of visionary and nobody is an implementer like nobody's like okay let's check all the boxes so this year hiring the people to check the boxes and to make things work it was we was uh just a hundred times more smooth yeah it really went well yeah, and I didn't attend the previous ones, but um, this this was my first time, and, and it was incredible. My wife, my wife and I came, and she was blown away as well. Um, for those of you that 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 don't know Sid, uh, he's a seasoned entrepreneur with a passion for small business. Um, join us to share his 25 years of industry wisdom as the owner of Solid Garage Floor Coating of Montana and Spectrum Window Cleaning. Sid knows what it takes to succeed. He's also the host of the 8020 uh, Service Business Podcast, where he delves into the secrets of efficiency and effective marketing. Sid is here to help us unlock the potential, uh, I would say really the potential of what a service business can be. I think, I think um, you know, a lot of, um, I feel like you kind of uh, almost play a little bit in the background a little bit of like, you know, everyone else is like on online, kind of out there. And it seems like you're more reserved in a manner where it's almost like, um, like you're like kind of like a gangster in a way where like, <laughs> gangsters like don't talk about what they're doing. They just kind of do it, you know? And then, uh, but like more of the influencer world and social media and some people out there a little bit more vocal maybe with getting yeah. crazy online. Um, 
was that like a intentional approach to kind of just like get things done and not talk about it as much or? Not really, not really. Uh, a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, you know, I was studying online marketing stuff and, and, you know, we do things like, you know, let's make sure we do 30 videos in 30 days or hunt. I forget. We do these challenges. And I was, it was doing a lot more on social media and, and I just don't really enjoy social media. Like, because I'm, you know, I have the same human psychology as everybody else. And even though I think, oh, I'm really disciplined, I'm really focused, I'm going to go on, I'll just check my thing and then get off. <laughs> and then I'll look up and I'm like, 45 minutes and I did nothing. And it, it just, it's frustrating to me. So more than anything, like I just, I just stay off. We could do a lot more, but I don't know. I've got, you know, it's most people that are online also have their businesses in the background. Like we do, we have, we have three service businesses here. And so they require a certain amount of attention. And then we, you know, I've got the podcast and we've got the convention. I'm partnering in another business as well. Um, I just, being in front of the camera all the time is not super appealing to me anymore. Um, so I don't do it that much. Like, I love this. If anything that's conversational, like, and again, thank you for having me on your show. Like, that's a lot of fun for me. But for me to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to make, I need to make, you know, 50 pieces of short form content to put online or whatever. I mean, I know there's there's some great AI programs to to do that now. We'll take one long form and it'll parts it into 20 in about a minute. And you're like, boop, 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 boop. that's good. So, but anyway, answer your question. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, I actually like it a lot because I think, you know, uh, historically, um, you don't have to be massively uh, like influencer or like online as much to be, to make money or be successful, make an impact in the community. Um, and I like that about you where, where you are successful business owner and you don't necessarily have to do, you know, everything that, uh, you know, I don't know, Tommy Mello would do or Brandon Vaughn would do, or maybe I'm trying to do and be more online. You are like, I think you just know business and you don't have to do everything that everyone else does to be successful. Um, and I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, if we could talk a little bit about the origin story, maybe like, maybe you could start kind of like, I don't know, early twenties or what have you. Um, and then kind of leading up to here and yeah. like maybe to your first business, like what were you doing before you became an entrepreneur or, or were you always an entrepreneur? Yeah. What a great question. So I've always had some entrepreneurial leanings, uh, and, but they were just little funky side hustles in college and stuff. I mean, me and a buddy, we used to, we just go knock on doors and spray paint people's address on the curb, you know, for 10 bucks or something like that. Uh, basically for beer money. And um, anyway, after college, uh, I didn't quite finish. I had an opportunity. I met my the woman who later became my wife. We traveled in Europe for a year. We just were vagabonding. We were homeless for six <laughs> for a year. The <laughs> story of the entrepreneur. It's like I went to college, didn't finish. You know, that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty common. It's like college is great, but my attention span for actually completing all that wasn't up to the uh, the time frame allowed. Anyway, we so we were in Europe for a year. We came back uh, to the U.S. and we settled in Florida. Of course, didn't have a job, didn't have a degree, didn't have a lot of marketable skills, but I knew how to work. I was a, I'm a farm boy. And my my next door neighbor um, cleaned windows. And I talked to him about it. I said, hey, could I ride with you for a day? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I just watched what he did. And he, like five hours, this was 30 years ago, Ryan. He made uh, he had like $270 in cash in five hours, which I thought was a mountain <laughs> of money. I was like, oh my God. I said, do you mind if I do that? And he's like, yeah, here, I'll give you a squeegee. And I literally dug a five gallon bucket out of a dumpster behind some guy's shop. And I'm like, I'm in business. And I just started knocking on doors. Now for the first 
10 years of being in business, it, it was just me. I was like, there, there, I, I didn't ask anybody for help. I didn't know who to ask. There were no resources, but I was like, well, hell, I can knock on doors and pay the rent. This is cool. And until I find something else to do, you know, but then we, we got married and then we had a child and we had another child and like these things add up. And so I'm, I'm the very stereotypical quintessential bucket, Bob, just a guy in a van and just, just hustling. And, uh, we sold that actually kind of gave it away to a friend. We moved to Montana in year 2000. I tried my hand at some other stuff. We were doing volunteer work with a church for about a year and then started a different business. It went up and then down. I was like, well, we found ourselves in a position in uh, 2003. We we're like, we're we're on the edge of bankruptcy. I'm 80 grand in the hole, no income. We're down to our last literal $20, 20 bucks with three kids, pregnant wife, and a thousand dollar rent due two weeks later. I'm like, okay, honey, can I, you know, I as a can I take five bucks out of our last 20 <laughs> and go print some lousy flyers? You know, I just printed on black and white paper and cut them into fours. It says dirty windows, we can help. And a phone number. Well, I had the skill and I, you know, I knew how to sell. And so she's like, please do something. Cause you know, after three weeks, the kids are sick of eating mac and cheese every day. It's hard. <laughs> And, uh, and I did, I ran out and like knocked on doors all Saturday, sold three jobs, come back on Tuesday, Monday, I did two of them, you know, like got us out of the hole and got groceries in the house. And then Wednesday and then da, da, da. It, it went forward for a while, probably the next eight years. I was, again, it was just me and a helper and, and we were making a living and paying the rent and bought a house. And it was fine. And then, uh, I forget one morning I'm having coffee with my wife and I, I probably said, man, when I turn 45, I don't want to carry a ladder anymore. Like, I'm gonna let somebody else do that. And she was like, she's very wise, even though she's never been in business. She goes, we're well, gonna have to change the way you operate. You're gonna have to make this a business and not just you own a job. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I guess you're right. So I started studying and uh, like, you know, putting things to the test. And then I started really a tipping point. And this is not a plug for the huge convention, but like six years ago, I went to the huge convention as a, an attendee for the first time. My goal was to meet serious-minded business people, business builders, and not just guys that want to argue about which tool is bigger. Yeah, because you get a lot of that in our industry, yeah. in any industry, especially mm -hmm. service or you know contractors. Like people want to argue about silly shit, like if it's carpet cleaning is it portable or truck mount better, or is it you know whatever squeegee or window water-fed pole. I'm like, who? Well, in concrete coating, it's like, it's like, do you want to do flakes and make money, or do you want to do metallic and be an artisan? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you it's know, like, it's harder to systemize certain things too. It's true. It's really true. So we, we changed the game. I met some guys there that are very good friends to this day. They're some of my closest friends in or out of the industry. And uh, they ended up, we ended up buying the convention together, but they also ended up forming a, a group that I treat as my informal board of advisors where, you know, if I have questions about business, I have somebody I can ask that I trust. And then we have resources that we pool and share um, and it, and it very quickly scaled and I, we're not, a, we don't, we're not a very big company. I mean, our window cleaners are, window cleaners are our main one. And we have, I guess I've got 12 employees for window cleaning car detail shop has three Our concrete coatings has five. I mean, these are not big companies, but they run largely on their own. Um, I don't, I don't get involved too much, which is, which is nice because I usually meddle with stuff like my installers. Like, I, I, they, they love hate when I come to a job because they're like, the, the boss is going to be here. Everything's, you know, that's good. And at the same time, they're like, don't touch anything, <laughs> yeah. please. 
Don't, don't talk to the customers. Don't tell me where to put that, you know? <laughs> well, I always experiment. I was like, well, what would happen if you did this? You know, what if we took the hand grinder and turned it sideways? You know, like all these, like I'm, I'm very curious and experimental. So occasionally just for fun, I'll go and like, if we have to do a repair, I'll go do that. Cause that's fascinating to me. Like, you know, doing artisanal stuff and I'm not there to make money. I'm there to make a customer happy or to learn on my own. But for the most part now, you know, like I'm not in the field um, ever. This has been a great year. I think I've been in the field four days. My goal was zero. So the four is great compared to, you know, just a few years ago. <laughs> so anyway, we, 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 we do the, uh, who is it? Can you hear my dogs? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Somebody's probably at the they're house. passionate. Maybe there's a sale happening right now. Or something. That's right. <laughs> the, um, where they, they called like Starbucks a 30 year wow. overnight success story. Mm -hmm. Didn't really hear about them, but it was like this kind of growth, and then hockey stick, bam. And that's we're a much smaller hockey stick, but that's how things have been for us. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Um, I love. I love the. Uh, I love the fact that you didn't finish college as well. Um, you know, I think that that puts a little chip on people's shoulders as well sometimes. Um, but, um, you know, I love, you mentioned farm boy. So yeah. did you grow up on a farm when you, when you were oh, growing yeah. up or? Yeah. A little, like I was telling somebody the other day that the nearest town to our farm was like eight miles away. And it was population five. Wow. I'm not joking. They had a feed store and there was a post office and like five people in flag, Texas flag, flag Texas. Yeah. Oh, where do you live now? Which is, uh, Flag, Texas is like 12 miles from Dimmit, Texas, which was population of 3,000 at the time. That was the big wow. town, right? That's where we went to school. But um, so I grew up in north in the panhandle of Texas between Lubbock and Amarillo. And it's okay. all farm country. A lot of it's dairy now. But like we had cattle and we had farm. And it was not big. It was like 1,000 acres. And But you grew up around farm. 1,000 well, acres. That's that's a lot of land. It's a lot of land. I mean, you know, it was supporting two families. And uh you like there was he's like you never had nothing to do there was always like you gotta work you gotta work i'm five years old what did i get for summer um a garden hoe that we, they cut the handle off and said you're going to the fields with your brothers to chop the weeds out of the cotton patch and that sounds really goofy nowadays but it was true like that's what we did all summer it was work um so i had a real farm boy mentality like you're my a lot of people have this it's also the protestant work ethic it's like people's identity gets tangled up or tied to how hard you work, mm. which, I mean, it can be noble. I mean, and like hard work, I think is valuable and good, but when that's your identity, it's very hard to separate value from your physical labor. So make, that makes it very mm. hard to, to grow a business. I mean, it's like, you feel guilty. if like, I don't know if this ever happened to you when you, you started hitting really well. It's like, Oh, today, you know, quote, we're like, we made $5,000 today profit and I didn't leave the house guilt I'm like really oh that's true i don't deserve that you know it's i mean we have these mixed emotions especially if you grew up in you know a, like a, a middle america christian household mm -hmm. it's just so tied together um but it's not true I mean, it's not even yeah. necessarily biblical to have it's not your value or your self-worth there's nothing wrong with gaining a profit for using your head or using a connection or doing as long as the value exchange is actually real like mm -hmm. you don't lie, cheat and steal to make a profit. But, you know, if I buy a car for 10 grand and sell it for 20 and everybody's happy, that's a good deal. Yeah. And I wonder too, um, I, 
I love the way you think about life here um, and your perspective and just your philosophy on things. It's, 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 I relate with it a lot. Um, I love the hard work aspect. Um, I feel like, do you feel like that's missed in today's day and age? And is that, is that the, is that the kids faults or is it the leaders faults, which parents, things like that? What do you think? What I love this question. Okay. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a quote that I read maybe three months ago. It's like, Children these days or the youth of the day are indolent, insolent, and lazy. You ever hear stuff like that? Like, oh, kids yeah. these days, you don't have I, like I hear a lot of stuff from a lot of people about, I can't believe this kid won't make his bed. Like, yeah. is this kid like an idiot? And I'm like, hmm, maybe the teacher. Yeah. That, that, so that quote was from Socrates. It's no over 2,500 years ago. Like every generation says, kids these days. They don't work hard. They don't wait. And it's either because, you know, people get softer, which is partially true in our culture and, and, you know, the United States, mm -hmm. but it's mostly because yeah, I'm, I'm 57. It's like, I remember my youth as if I was the hardest working, smartest guy in the world. Well, I wasn't, I was an idiot child that didn't know a damn thing and then had to learn. And then, but you, you filter everything backwards. So I don't think there's a work ethic problem globally. Like, as 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 a whole it's a purpose problem mm. it's like i have all of my employees except one are in their 20s and they have they want to achieve things for themselves that are different than what maybe you or i want to achieve or wanted to achieve at their age um now i i, I may have umbrage with somebody that just wants to be famous like that's their goal i want to be an influencer be famous but they're not bringing value to the equation but most people just like they they've got their goals and their passions and their things. And uh, now I've got one guy, he worked hard because his favorite team is the giants and we don't live close to a professional football area. And he goes to three games a year. So he wants extra money to travel and go see the giants play. Hmm. He's going to go see him in Las Vegas in November. And he's got, you know, he's already got his things planned out, but I don't give a rip about that. That's not my deal. But if you like kids these days, you figure out what they want and what their purpose is and tie it into what you want, and how you can help them. And then you have a different story. Yeah. I like that a lot. And Tom talks about that a lot where it's like his, his, his vision had to be bigger for more people, you yeah. know, and, you know, and do you think, so um, I, I, I like this a lot because I think building a business is, well, you can't build it by yourself, you know, right. and you can kind of build, to a certain point, maybe, maybe you can get to, you know, 30, 40 grand a month, 50 grand a month, whatever it could be for you with a very, very small team. But like, when you talk, I think when you talk about the freedom side of it, like even making that same revenue or growing the business, you got to think about people and you got to think about, um, and I think about this a lot around, uh, you know, I've got a six-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old daughter, yeah. um, and, um, you know, running different businesses like, you know, like you and a lot of our team members are, are younger. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I noticed that, uh, you know, I think there's a lack of understanding in, in the marketplace, in concrete coating, in window washing, in service businesses, a lack of understanding of how to maybe motivate people or how to, um, and Jason Phillips talks about it all, like a lot where it's like, if you would just spend the time to get to know the people and like get to know their real um, goals, um, I think that you would be surprised at what they want and, um, but also more surprised about how much effort it could take to actually help the other person. 
Tom Brady, I was, I was, I was, I was watching um, an interview with Tom Brady um, and Patrick bet David. Yeah. Um, and it was like one of the first time Tom is actually, and I can't say Tom, Tom Brady, I'll say his full name. Tom Brady uh, was actually getting out and like sharing his thoughts and his strategies and how he views life. And he hasn't done it much. And um, he, he just constantly talk about team and culture. And, um, but one thing he said that, well, that I'll never forget. He goes, he goes, everyone's just so selfish. Everyone's mm. selfish. The quarterbacks are selfish. The coaches are selfish. The employees are selfish. And um, he says, you know, I'm not selfish. And I think about the team. How big do you think being selfless as a leader or business owner is, in, you know, to, like the, to the actual success of the business? I think it's critical. I mean, if you take it all the way back to biblical and said, uh, you know, what Jesus told his disciples, they're like, they were arguing about who's like, who's the best, like who's the best disciple, who's the best apostle, yeah. or, you know, who's your favorite Jesus. And he goes, the greatest of you is servant of all. Mm. That's who's going to be the greatest. And, and uh, there's a lot of books published on that, like servant leadership and things like that. And it's valid. And that, that doesn't mean selflessness or, you know, like I'm, I'm not worthy. I have to do everything for everybody else, but it like, you know, your, your people do want to see you function and be a part of the team and take a leading role. It's not, I mean, there's abs, <clears throat> excuse me, nothing wrong with being an, you know, an absentee owner or an investor, but that's different. You know, if you're building a team and you didn't start with investor money or you didn't start with a, you know, an advantage, and I don't mean an unfair advantage, but an advantage of, of skill, team, leadership, time, money if you're just like most of the people in our world ryan that that they're a technician and they started their own thing and it's the classic e-myth like you have to grow it all from the ground and you have to learn those skills you know to to bring people in and to lead and like but it's it's critical to be the leader i'm i'm looking around for a copy of uh have you read uh the dream manager i have not okay it i had a show for like two years didn't pick it up Somebody said, you should read this. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I do that. I have I probably have 50 books that are stacked over here waiting to be read that I haven't gotten to yet. But <laughs> um, I jumped on a flight, a direct flight to Los Angeles from here. It's two hours. Read the book in one flight and I couldn't, I was like, I was kicking myself in the butt going, why haven't you read this before? It's phenomenal. But it's all about what like in our industries, turnover is usually pretty high because, the, you know, it's like one out of a hundred. This is a career job for somebody. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, it's a career because they start their own. That's different. But your employees, like I so frustrated with like we have a turnover every year, 50 to 100 percent. I'm like, damn, I can't build any continuity. And mm, yeah. the team managers of, is uh, it's kind of a, a business parable, but it's based on a real company and a real events. And it's a janitorial company and they have, you know, 130 percent turnover every year. And instead of trying to knock everyone into the home run category where like we got this guy and we're trying to keep him for life, you know, for 10 years, for 30 years career. They're like, if you can just go from, you know, nine months average employment to two years average employment, it, it dramatically increases your, um, yeah, it's interesting. Your, um, yeah. Your continuity. But the main thing about the dream manager and the philosophy is so it ties into what you're asking is that um, you take time to understand the goals and dreams of your people. And then you tie in what we can do at work to help you meet that goal. So maybe mm. one guy, it's like, pay off my car. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's help figure out how you know, like, how much is your payment? What do you have left? How can we accelerate that? All right, cool. Why don't you work one Saturday a month and that extra 200 pays your car off. 
you know, a year earlier and they're thrilled or somebody wants to buy a house or somebody wants to get a, you know, a one guy that took on snow shoveling for me in the winter because he wanted to buy a ring for his honey. And like, I need 3,500 bucks. I'm like, I bet we can do that in one winter. Yeah. And so he did. Yeah. And now he wants to buy a bigger ring. So he's like, <laughs> maybe he has, has uh, cold feet or like, you know, commitment, but you, you know, he, there are opportunities to help your people help themselves. And that also builds uh, like trust and unity and a longevity for people. And it, like, you know, it's funny. We're like, I, I love um, listening to really smart people, especially on like a podcast like this. I've watched a lot of your stuff. And like a lot of times when you're on the watching end, um, people think it's like, oh, man, Ryan, he's got us shit together. Sid, he's the, you know, with your introduction and your, you know, like stamp of approval, he's like gangster godfather in the background. <laughs> There's some truth to that. But the reality is like I you know, probably once a month, I want to kill everybody in my team and sell the company and, and drive away with the top down and never look back. <laughs> but, but those are fleeting. It's like I have challenges and struggles with things all the time. But we've had enough successes to stay ahead of the challenges. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing, too, is the wins are going to motivate you for sure. And, and and the failures are are meant to be lessons and we can learn from those things. And you know, I think the Lord really puts those things in our lives to mold us and to define who we really are or to really meet that that purpose and potential. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I believe that through and through. And um, I think there's, you know, in concrete coating, in window washing, in, well, in service businesses really in the country, um, I feel like there's so many companies, obviously, that are not doing a million dollars a year, mm -hmm. um, but they they're so focused on, I feel like the wrong things and versus building that team in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's a big deal around leadership and communication and, and things like this. But um, where do you think that you kind of found those, those kind of skill sets? Was there a mentor? Was it going to the huge convention? Where did you develop kind of that, like that awareness yeah. of, of, of things? So, you know, even though you're like, I did drop out of college, I was like, it was just slow paced. But I've, I'm like firmly believed in like constant education. So, you know, like yourself, you got a big, nice bookcase behind you. Like I'm, I'm reading or like learning something all the time. So the, uh, you know, Principle-Centered Leadership by Stephen Covey, things like that. So I like, okay, you got to learn to lead. Like understanding that the pace of the leader sets the pace of the team. Like, okay. And, and I, I had a shift probably six years ago and it wasn't, it was correlated to the people I met at the huge convention, but not you know, the cause, but it was, I realized, cause I was complaining about like, I get a shitty team. I got employees that don't listen. They're not doing what I ask them to do. Like, why don't they just do the thing? It's not that hard. And then I was like, Oh, wait a second. Look in the mirror, Sid. Mm. Like if, if you hired the right people and gave them the right training and the right support, and then give them, you made them accountable, you probably have a different story. So it wasn't their fault. It was my responsibility. And then, and so we, you know, we spent a few years, like, I'm, I'm not really a fast learner on some of this stuff. Like I ask for, you know, advice and they're like, you should do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. And then I put it off because it's difficult. It's like, you need to weed it, like root out the cancer and fire those two people you keep complaining about, and then just hire somebody, replace them and change your training and blah, blah, blah. And it's all true. And, but when I finally did that, so we're, this is 2023 at the end of COVID we had, during COVID, we had a team of 14 
And then, you know, things imploded and like did all this weird stuff. Um, we ended up losing every single person in the company, everybody. And the, the killer was my operations manager got recruited by a big firm, a construction company, double the salary. And I was paying her pretty well. Wow. So I was like, oh my gosh. So we rebuilt from ground zero. Well, I was really ready to quit. Just like fold, done. I'm going. And that to was just hospital. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, you know, December 2020. I went to LA. LA was closed down. I got to drive 120 on the freeway and nobody was on it. It was awesome. <laughs> but I, I hold up in a in Marina Del Rey for a week and I just rewrote the program. And I was like, I'm either going to fix this and it's going to flourish or I'm going to close it and I will do something else because there's a lot of things we can do in this world. And I focused on three things. Primarily was culture. So we I rewrote and got really clear and really deliberate about what the culture is. And so we, you know, we got our, our core values and, but we started focusing on principally sound stuff. And it was fascinating because like, I'm a big Proverbs guy. I'm a Bible guy, but I don't teach, you know, I'm, I don't quote scripture and talk Bible with my team. Sometimes I do in principle, but not in quotations. Mm -hmm. We just rewrote the core values. And I'm like, be a giver, not a taker. Like choose courage over comfort. Like we're seeking progress, not perfection. And I brought all these things in that are things that I believe in. And then lo and behold, I attracted a team full of people that believed in the same thing. Wow. They're like, they're yeah. constantly reaching up. They're trying to help each other. And we'll call it out. Like if something's going sideways or not on, on uh, point, we just call it out and go, Hey, look, you know, what's going on right now. It's like, it's easy to do, but our core value is this always reach up. So like, let's pull people up instead of tearing them down. And here's how we do that. And it, that revolutionized our company. I had, that first year back after I lost everybody, like I'm the office manager. I hate that. I'm the production manager. Don't enjoy that. I'm the <laughs> trainer. I've got eight brand new techs and these guys. So we, we tripled our profit and increased our revenue by 30% with a team, half the size that we had the previous year, half the size. That's and it's crazy. because everyone bought into the mission and the values and they wanted to live that way. I was like, oh my God. That seriously, Brian, this is after 20, almost 20 years of kind of being in business. Mm -hmm. I was like, it was that easy. I missed that for 20 years. That's all I had to do. Now it was hard because you had to, you know, I had to focus and, and decide and be the leader. Uh, but now it's like two years later. So we've got, you know, we got the 10 techs and an incredible office person and a full-time salesperson and a full-time manager that that runs stuff and uh you know all i have to do is step in once in a while and and say this is the vision you guys are doing a great job here's where we're hitting the mark here's where we need to tighten it up what do you guys think is the best course of action and they almost always have the answer i was going to tell them to do because we got the same values that's that's i mean i love this i mean if you guys are listening i know there's only uh looks like maybe two live here um thank you guys for being live put in comments hashtag live and i want to see two comments there's two people uh, here with us. I'd love to see you guys live. If you're on the replay and still watching, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um, and then we get most of our listeners on Apple and Spotify. Thank you guys so much for listening over there. I was literally just pointing at you guys when I know you guys are just listening. So that's just my embarrassment uh, there a little bit. But uh, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in and um, leave us a review over on Apple and Spotify. Let us know how we're doing, how bad we're doing. If you like it, you love it. Um, I want to know either way, but what's interesting about your story that I've only, I mean, 
you know, it's been about half an hour. Um, so I don't know everything, but I just see constant, like not failures, but like constant awareness of like something not working or I need to, I need to be better or I need to learn this. And there's this constant through your entire life, or at least what you've shared so far of you realizing that I need to go to the next level and then, and, but you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not saying, Hey, I, I, you know, I had this thing and then I kind of gave up, you know, like I, I think you have the solution too. And I want to talk about that specific thing right there. Like, what is that? Like, is that just like the farmer boy coming out? Is that the grit? Is that you wanting more out of life? Um, obviously you mentioned you're 57 years old. Um, and like, can you talk to us about that? Cause for, for me, it's inspiring and it's, it, you know, and it's pretty amazing to see that spirit in you. But for you, what do you think that is for you? Like that turning point of like issue, give up, but instead of yeah. issue, keep going. I, so um, a couple of years ago, a guy was on an interview show and he's like, well, what's your, you know, like, what's your key to success? And it's like, I'm like, look, I'm not really good at this stuff. Like I, I stumble a lot, but my key to success is like, I just keep getting up. Like I, I just haven't quit. And that's why I'm, you know, I've gotten to where I'm not a fast learner. I don't have this like exciting you know, from zero to four million in three years or anything like that. It just don't quit. But I have like one of my core beliefs, and this has always served me really well when I was the technician and doing stuff is that I have, I have two for my business was one as a technician was how can I do a better job faster? It's better for the client, faster for me. Okay. That's a driver. And the other was there's always a way. Like there's always a way you come up with a problem. And I, I immediately think, how can we solve it? Not Oh shit, there's a problem. We can't, ah, we got to quit. Yeah. Like I, 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 that just, that grates me when, when people are like, oh, this was a challenge. So we just, we, you know, we just clocked out and went back to the cave. The cave is what we call a warehouse. Um, <laughs> and, and we just stopped for the day because we didn't, we couldn't figure out how to get that storm window off or whatever. And like, really, there's always a way you got to at least try and try and try. And so this, is a, there was a fascinating study done about a decade ago when I read, it, I couldn't believe it. So there's a, there's a stereotype that Asian students are better at math than, you know, your Caucasian students or like than everybody else. Right. Yeah. And so they did all these series of tests and they gave problems that were literally impossible to solve these unsolvable math problems to a group of students of all, you know, uh, ethnicity. And what they found was that the, Asian students in general, they, they, uh, the non-Asian students would attempt to solve this problem for an average of four and a half to seven minutes. The Asian students' average time was 40 minutes on the same problem. Now, they still didn't solve it, but they just didn't quit so soon. So it's not like you're any better. It's just like you just try a lot harder for longer. It's like, you know, if you're looking for gold and you're digging, like, dig 20 feet and you don't find anything. He's like, well, there's no gold here. Well, guess what? <laughs> you, maybe you need to go 40 feet. Yeah. Maybe you're just around the corner. I mean, you know, that's a, a silly example, but most of the things in life that you're trying to do, it's just a matter of persistence. Like if you're on the right path, you just keep going. You're going to get there. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of business owners. Um, what I see um, in our, in our industries here, that like, you know, they might see people like Tommy or see somebody like Jeff Gear or see somebody like Ken Goodrich or <laughs> whatever. Um, that then you know they're one, two year, three, four years into it, and they're not making you know three million dollars a year yet. And um, I see a lot of people get down on themselves, like they're doing yeah. something wrong. Um, 
And I think that there's a lot of companies that can grow really, really fast and they've figured things out, you know, and those things are obviously true. We've seen it, but like, um, I think the, the, the resilience and the endurance, um, is going to win the race, you know? Um, could you just talk to us a little bit about like from your leadership, like in your, in your kind of perspective on the, on the service industry, um, when somebody's thinking about giving up their like in the first couple of years of their business, like, and they think that all the employees are horrible, there's no systems or whatever they're, they're thinking they're all like, but if you see some companies that are doing, you know, they're in business for six years, you know, seven years or whatever. Um, and they're completely crushing it with systems and leadership and the teams there. Um, could you spot, like talk to us a little bit like about that difference? Like what is that difference? Is it just, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to stay here. Is mm-hmm. it a mindset thing? Is it, they need to go to conferences? Like what's the difference between people that, you know, that make it and kind of, you know, give up in the early couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm really glad you asked that. So number one, like in, in leading yourself, I'm talking to you know, anybody that you're a business owner and you're leading yourself. Don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or their end. It's like, if I compared myself to Tommy Mello, I would hang myself from the closest tree. <laughs> like he's a superstar, but it's like, trying to compare yourself to Zuckerberg or, or Elon Musk. I'm like that. And that's, what's paraded around is the sexy thing. Those guys are phenomenal, but that is one out of a billion people gets that kind of result. So don't do that. The, the second part of that is uh, a concept that's taught with within strategic coach called the gap and the gain is like mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, we're always like, I've got this goal. We're going to get to a million dollars of revenue, or we're going to do this, or going to buy a house, or whatever it is. Like, this is my goal, and you're focused on that, and all you see is the distance between where you are and where you want to be. But we, that's the gap. But the gain is like, stop, turn around, and look back to where you started, and see how far you've come, and recognize the distance that you have come, and that often that is so phenomenal, like you don't even recognize it. And there's uh, um, I was going through a, a Dan Sullivan book. It's just a, a booklet called the uh, 10x mindset, 10 times mindset, whatever. And he, he goes, just recognize that you've already 10x some point in your life. Mm-hmm. You're, you're 10x. Where, so 10x is conceivable. And you can look at like 10x that. So I look back and I was like, oh, my God. I remember the first year we were in business and everyone you have permission to laugh. My first year in business as a window cleaner, my tax return said $9,000 revenue. There was probably 12,000. Like I was not making, I don't know how we paid rent, but that was it. And then, you know, our second year in business, I think we had $56,000 in revenue. And uh, not, it just, I think it was in June of this year. I was like, huh. I looked at the numbers and I'm like, we did $56,000 in a week. (laughs) I'm like, that's 50 times more. Then I was like, wow. But yet here I'm looking ahead. I'm like, we want to take this coatings business to X and we want to, you know, sell it for this. And my, and I'm struggling to keep the calendar full two weeks ahead of time. And it's like, I'm frustrated, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm 50 times ahead of where we were when we started. It's, you know, that's, so that's a big thing to keep you in check to make sure that you don't go crazy chasing a dream that's so big and you feel like you're a failure because you're not. Um, back directly to your question was, what does it take to have this kind of success? And, and literally, it's just your believing. You said mm-hmm. mindset. It's like, what do you believe? It, because you can, you know, you, you've seen it, uh, you know, if you ever read the studies a million times, somebody wins a lottery, they get $8 million. Two years later, they're bankrupt 
and they don't have any friends. Like, how did you blow that much money? Well, it's because you're, we have a thermostatic setting. It's called homeostasis. It's like my thermostat is set on, you know, we make 150 grand a year net net in the bank on taxes. Like that's where it is. But it used to be 25,000, but I just kept raising the thermostat or, you know, now it's going to be, you know, 400,000, but it's not like, like if somebody dumps, if you're broke and you've been broke and you get a million cash, six months, you're going to be broke again, unless you change the way you believe. But the the best part about that is you can always change what you believe. And it's like planting seeds or, you know, it's like, or building a fire. We're in Montana. It's really damn cold here in the winter time. And you can't stand in front of a fireplace and shout, give me heat. You got to take time, but you got to chop the wood. You got to split the wood. You got to kindling. You got to build the fire. And you got to let it go before you get the heat. And the same thing happens with your path to success. You've got to change the way that you believe. You have to grow in your belief systems in order to allow that success to come in. Because if you if you believe farm boy way, like I did, that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. You ever hear somebody say that? Oh, yeah. What's bullshit? There's, like there's, you know, I have installed two uh, concrete coatings and, you know, out of the hundreds that we've done. And I think I'm pretty good at it. But guaranteed, you got guys on your team that would smoke me. Like, now, how can I believe that if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself? My guys are way better than I am in, in every category. Like, we do a speed test for window cleaning every year. And last year, I lost for the first time. Wow. And like, Ooh, how first timer you there. Did it hurt? I was like, no, that felt like success. I'm like, <laughs> I actually have guys on the team that are better than me. How awesome is that? Um, but realize that you know, like so every advancement that you make literally is a is a matter of growing the way that you view or believe life and it's it's my it is mindset that's a simple answer yeah it's crazy um literally the 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 ceiling for your business is your ceiling as the owner you Bam. know isn't yeah. that crazy how yeah. to like think about that do you think it's also um and you know i'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit but um do you think that um, as the business grows, the ceiling is now not just the owner's ceiling mentally, but also maybe like the leadership team as well, like yeah. their their ceiling, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, but again, that you know that uh, that ceiling is sort of set by the vision of the the owner, the leader. Mm -hmm. At some point, as a, the owner, you got like you got to set the vision, make it plain, so other people can run with it, and you got to get out of their way. You get the right people on board and get out of their way; they'll run a better race than you ran. Right? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty powerful. Um, yeah. and it requires a lot of trust. Um, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, um, you know, I think a lot of people have a lot of distrust, um, but we could probably go on forever. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, um, um, the, so I, I like to ask everybody, um, the best and the worst advice that you've ever received. Um, I'd love to hear the, the worst advice you've ever received first, um, in the perspective of when you heard it. And then, um, and then the best advice that you've received and how that, how that affected your life in a, in a positive way. Wow. I joke about, um, the worst advice people give all the time. They're like, you getting ready to do that? And you go, yeah, and you go, <laughs> son, don't fuck this up. I'm like, That's not good advice. It's not helpful at all, but you hear it a lot. Um, we bad advice, man, that's, that's hard because, uh, let me, let me answer the other one first. Yeah. Some of the best advice I ever got. And there are two pieces and 
one's kind of funny. When we started cleaning windows in Florida, I had a friend that was very successful. I had an ad agency. He's got the house of New Hummer when they came out, the Corvette, whatever. For I, he had everything, all the toys, killing it. And I'm like, Bill, uh, just started this business. Like, can you give me some tips to success? Because I'm new in business. I don't really know anything. But what? And he said, you want to succeed in this market? Show up. I'm like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And he's like, no, I'm not joking. Just show up. If you show up and you show up on time, you're ahead of 95% of your competitors. If you want to test this, call three plumbers and ask for an estimate and book an, book an appointment. If they even answer the phone, not one will show up on time. Only one of them will show up on the right day. Mm. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And that's still kind of the norm for service industry. So like show up on time, answer your phone. You're really ahead of everybody. Yeah. The other advice I got was from my wife. And my wife is one of my heroes. She's had rheumatoid arthritis since she was in her 20s. A um, lot, lot of challenges have been on that path. And she went from like, it took five minutes to walk, you know, 30 feet to the mailbox and back to a year and a half later, she ran a half marathon. Wow. And she didn't run it because she was like all well and everything felt good. She ran with, you know, with no cartilage in one knee and all kinds of stuff. But she started to run. She's like, I'm going to do this. And she's a, she's a fighter. And I said, you're training. I'm going to train with you. Like, I hate to run, but I'm like, I, if you're, if you can run like that, I'm going. And uh, one day we ran seven miles and like, I was hating it, but she was just doing it. And uh, she said, you know, when you run like this, you have to run your own race. Mm. Don't run somebody else's race. That's a good one. Yeah. And that helps me every day because I'm like anybody else. I love shiny objects. And I see, you know, Tommy Mello is on stage at the huge convention. And like, oh, my God, I need, you know, 50 million in revenue this year. Or like whatever, like <laughs> 600 employees in 19 states. I'm like, oh, I got a new goal. I'm like, you know what? That's not my that's not my race. Like that wouldn't make me happy. No. What makes me happy is a little bit ahead of where we are. It's like having a boutique level business that's really profitable. That gives me freedom to help other people. That inspires me. No. Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, one thing I noticed about you is you're so self-aware as a leader. Um, and I think that's one of the best characteristics of a leader is to be self-aware. Um, and you can articulate it very, very well. And, 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 um, hopefully everyone has, you know, that's listened live, but also a lot of you guys are gonna be on the replay Apple and Spotify. Hopefully you guys are loving this. Make sure you guys put in comments, uh, hashtag value, hashtag Sid, uh, hashtag huge convention whatever you'd like to put down there. Um, cool. Speaking of huge convention, um, is there going to be another one? There is. So <laughs> I mean, I'll, I mean, two quick things. One, the, yes, the huge convention is next year. It's in mid-August. It's at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel. We're doing it again. In Nashville. Year. In Nashville. Oh my gosh. My wife is going to love it. And it's it's so exciting because now we've gotten, like now we know the space and we've gotten used to it and we've got a relationship with the hotel. And so that that's allowed us to, uh, not necessarily concessions, but giving us more access. Um, so we can expand on it. And we've got a great team that's helping handle things. So we, like, as an example, the first year uh, convention, I think we we sold, we had 76 vendors. Um, wow. This year we had 120, but our, my, our gentleman that's handling sales, I think he's had closed 60 vendors for next year before the show ended this year. We'd already sold more revenue. Wow. He didn't code me. I don't know if we signed up. I, I got to ask Kristen to see if she, Kristen, like, you know, say, talk oh, to what a bad salesperson, you know, he didn't, he didn't close me. Yeah. Right. I think it's only somebody he could get to. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is, uh, and it's, this ties back to this kind of like a callback to uh, keys to growth and stuff like that. 
one of the things that came out of of um, buying the huge convention and having a group of leaders that run it is we already had a, a very informal mastermind called the BBB, which stood for business, bourbon, and bullshit. And like, tell your wife every quarter, hey, I'm going to Nashville for two days <laughs> to the business, bourbon, and bullshit group. She's like, really? Yeah, she might check the credit card receipts. I'm like, where are you going again? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So we turned that into the AMP mastermind. And we've got, we've got you know, uh, quite a few people. Like, I think we've got 80 members now, something like that. Wow. And uh, and everyone in there, like almost everyone is, is you know, almost every bit person has a business at seven figures. They're million to 14 million revenue. And, but it, it is the group for iron sharpens iron. And that you asked me earlier, like what's one of the keys to your growth, mm -hmm. really having a mastermind group that is iron sharpening iron or having a mentor. And I know when we first talked, you talked about, about Al Levy and, and uh, Tommy Mello, and you're such a great student, but those gentlemen are your mentors and like excellent mentors. And they, they, you know, like just cut the learning curve by a hundred for you because because you listened and you executed um you know being around people that have done what you want to do is a giant motivator it's like uh, was it roger bannister ran the first four minute mile yeah. scientists and physiologists said it is not humanly possible the human body can't do it in 1950s and what was it 56 57. Mm -hmm. people been trying for hundreds of years to break that mark he broke it the next year, 34 more people broke the four-minute mile. <laughs> but nobody could do it because it was impossible. Yeah. It's like, if you're going, I, I got to get to a 10 million or whatever it is, but nobody you know has done it. When you get in a room with people that have done it, you're like, oh, shit, this is possible. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't say it out loud, your mind goes, oh, this can actually happen because he's done it. And it changes the way, like it moves a lot of the obstacles that were just imaginary anyway that kept you from moving forward at a pace that, you know, that you think you want to, but you don't know how to. So having a group of people or mentors that, that sharpen you and push you and some sometimes piss you off because they call you out on your, you know, your bullshit or lack of yeah. accountability. That's, that is gold. That's money in the bank. And what's the name of that mastermind? It's the AMP mastermind. It stands for Amplify Mastermind Program. Um, we do have a website. The last time I checked was, not working because we're rebuilding it, but maybe by the time this place is just ampmastermind.com. Yeah. And if you uh, are curious about that, you can DM me, DM Sid on, on, on Facebook, but you can DM me specifically, shoot me an email um, if you would like to, and we'll get you guys that information. Um, and that's, that's not attached to the huge convention, right? It's kind of a separate program, right? It is. Yeah. It's, it's completely separate. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think that's an amazing thing. Um, we have a bunch of concrete coating companies, painting companies that listen in, power yeah. washing companies that 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 listen in. Um, sometimes we get some Christmas lights and some landscaping that will come into the group. Um, we're getting some more HVAC and garage doors and plumbing coming in from from Tommy a little bit um, over there and and and, and things like that. Um, what would you say as we head into Q4, kind of to, to conclude us here in the podcast, Sid? Um, what do you think that? we should focus on as we head into the last three months of, of the year? For, for us, it's always, you know, this time of year, we, our season, we're very seasonal. We run through the end of October, mid-November, maybe, depending on weather. Yeah, yeah Montana, and, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because, you know, like once we get those hard freezes, things slow way down. Um, but we, we, at this time of year, like everybody's kind of getting tired because it's been a busy season. 
And we go, don't change horses in the middle of the stream. We don't change <laughs> anything between now and the end of the season. We just go, we push harder. We make sure one of our little uh, culture perks is at the end of each week, everybody has their growler. We fill it with beer from the local brewery and have it in the fridge ready for them at the end of the week. And like, but we just don't change. We may throw one or two extra little parties, like a trivia night at, you know, Cranky Sam's. Everybody show up. We'll buy the beer. But otherwise, it's like just press the gas and finish. And everybody knows that we're going to take a big break and have a hot tub party in December. And then we'll recalibrate and we re retool and we get everybody's feedback. And like, what, what did we plan? What worked? What didn't work? What can we improve? And then we in incorporate that into next season. So I, I so love that. The short answer was like, don't quit. Press the gas. Yeah. The season. Fix the other shit later. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you're live or you're, or you're on the replay. We don't have much live on uh, today. It was kind of a impromptu podcast. We're only on Tuesdays now. Um, so I'll forgive everybody for not being live. Uh, I still love <laughs> everyone. Um, but um, yeah, like if you're, if you're, if you're focused on the pity party or you're focused on the wrong things, you're not going to be as, I, you know, I would say as, as, as fruitful as you could be going into the end of the year. Um, and I actually had a follow-up question on that because it's, it's kind of good what you say. I, I could keep going on with what you say, cause it's so valuable. Um, but as, as, as a leader, how do you lead the team into that? Um, is it like from a weekly perspective, you know, is it, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of companies feel like they could press the gas too hard on people. Yeah. How do you balance like not trying to burn somebody out with, with yeah. that? That it's so valuable. And I, and I only learned this just a couple of months ago. It's like, I expect everybody to give a hundred percent, 110%, whatever. It's not, it's not real. Like if people give 80%, that is, that's enough mm. once in a while. Like if you, cause if you push them to hundred percent all the time, they're, they're going away. They will break down because they don't have the same skin in the game that you have. You might press the gas and go, I'm doing 110 every day and you keep going. Cause you got a goal and you're building this thing for them. They're paying rent a lot of them. Right. But they have their own dream. So we, we, um, I don't do weekly meetings with my team anymore. My, my guys do their own weekly meeting, but we'll like right at the cusp when things are about to get really busy again, which was last week, rented a, a, a conference room for a day. And I took my guys in there. We, you know, we had lunch and we, we just went over, like we just tightened the lug nuts and changed the spark plugs on everything. It's like, Hey, this is what you do at the end of the job. Remember review referral and place a lawn sign. And we made up a new contest. Like if you do that trifecta, you get 50 bucks just for doing what you're supposed to do anyway. Bam. And everybody's like, oh, they got excited because people forget to do the routine stuff. But yeah. we just tighten it all up and said, hey, and then I set the expectation for them. I was like, it's been a little quiet for last week, but starting next week, you're going to like, you're going to work as much as you possibly can or want. But now's the time because winter's coming. Put your money in the bank. So we're going to press the gas and go hard, but everybody take a break today. You know, it's the last time you can float the river before it gets too damn cold. And after this, we're going to go. And when we finish that six week sprint, then we'll, you know, we'll play some more. And everybody's like, okay, they just got excited. And then my, you know, the production manager meets with them every week and sets the rhythm for the week. Um, yeah. And that's the 80, 20 rule as well. You know, that, that you talk about a little bit. Um, where can they find more about the 8020 uh, service business podcast on Apple, Spotify, or yeah, it's Apple and Spotify listed just like that. Uh, we have a website that's super duper ugly. It's called the 8020 show.com. 
Uh, and it just has all the episodes on it. I literally like I've I probably 95 five that instead of 80 20. Like <laughs> I haven't put any new content. I haven't blogged. I haven't done anything. I haven't changed it since we set it up. But uh, it auto feeds all the, the episodes as they come out. Love it. That's, that's an easy way. Love it, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for jumping on here. It was nice meeting you. Thank you for having me speak at the huge convention. And um, hopefully I was able to bring some value uh, to the the audience. Um, and thank you again for your time. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to Sid and learn more about everything he's got going on, um, where can they find you to find anything that's up to date with you? Just Facebook, Instagram? Facebook is probably the best. Um, if, and, you know, I apologize in advance. If you send me a friend request, I won't look at it. Um, if you message me, I'll see it within a week. But that's the 80 20 rule, folks. The 80 20 rule. It's Sid Graff. We talked about earlier. I'm not crazy about social media and I don't check it a lot. Um, during the run up to the huge convention, I am the, the media face. So I have to check it all the time. And then <laughs> yeah. once it's over, I'm like, please turn it off. Like, move. I turn off all the notifications. So <laughs> I'm not being lazy. I just check it once a week or so. Love um, it. Love anyway, it. Yeah, that's the easy way. All cool. right. Hey, Bye. well, thank Bye. you so much for being here. And uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday next week. All right. Thank you very much. Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play.